Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Cookin' Joe as we get ready for a wild football weekend. One way or another here, there's going to be some big-time drama, mass chaos, seedings determined, teams in, teams out, and two teams that are intimately connected right now are the Steelers and the Jags. Could be very simple. Steelers win, Jags lose, Steelers in. And the Jags the Jags are involved even if the Steelers lose. I, I, I still can't believe that if the Steelers lose, there's a plausible path to the playoffs, but there is. If the Steelers lose to the Ravens JV team, here's what they need to happen to still get in. The, Texas and, the Texans and Colts not to tie. That seems reasonable. The Jags to lose. And the Broncos to beat the Raiders. That's not like a, you know, a physics problem there. That seems relatively simple and doable. But one of the big keys this weekend is that the Steelers need the Jags to lose. Of course, conversely, the Jags need to win. And here to talk about that is J.P. Shadrick from Jaguars.com. J.P., I appreciate you taking the time here. Fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Tell us about the state of the Jags and especially uh, Trevor Lawrence heading into this game. Yeah, no, well, first off, it's good to be with you. And it's been a little bit since the Jaguars were up in uh, Pittsburgh this year, but uh, it seems like a long time ago yeah, now. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. Uh, you know, the, the latest with Trevor Lawrence, as of today, he was out there in the open media time. Um, that was probably about 45 minutes ago that I saw him. And he was throwing the football around and throwing it the whole 20 minutes that we were out there. So that's a good step because Wednesday he didn't throw any at all during the open media time. And Thursday a little bit. So it seems like he's trending a little better you know, Doug Peterson is not going to give up anything, and, and he said that he, it could even go down to a game-time decision. And there's been a few moments this year where Trevor has been on the injury report and then played in the game without practice that week, and it hasn't necessarily all the time gone that well. So let's see what the balance is today, and I'm sure he'll be questionable in the injury report is my guess, and then they'll figure something out over the weekend and see if he can go because if he's cleared and he's good it's an ac joint sprain and a throwing shoulder if he can throw the football he's your guy like you play um they they played without him last week and cj Beathard managed it enough they ran the football and got the win over carolina so that's the state of affairs right now at the quarterback position still a lot of question marks going into sunday how much jp does their chance lessen in your opinion going from lawrence to Beathard? You know, honestly, I think it's 
pretty close to the same because of the approach they might take this week. Because they found something, again, in the running game last week. They, they wanted to get 30 carries for the running back, Travis Etienne, and or Tank Bigsby, and or DeAndre Johnson. They got 29. So they ran the ball and trusted Beathard did not throw it into bad situations and not force it anywhere. And they settled for field goals. And they, they knew the defense, for the most part, was going to be able to handle Carolina and do that. I don't know if it's – it might be kind of a similar feel this week with Tennessee because of the quarterback situation there. They've already beaten Tennessee once this year. They know what Derrick Henry is and can be, but the offensive line in Tennessee is not fantastic. So I think this is, for the Jaguars, probably a same kind of blueprint. Run the ball, throw it if you have to, uh, and if you have to, don't throw it into tight windows, you know, and then play some defense and get a takeaway or two and call it a day. I think that's the approach. When Jacksonville left here on October 29th, my thought was that's a pretty solid all-around football team. That was a good win, 20-10 to 10 here. They were 6-2. and two. Then came San Fran, which put it on the Steelers early in this, which puts it on a lot of people. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> since that day, JP, the Jags are are what three and five. What's been the the commonality here? What what's been the cause of their decline? Yeah, they had that four game losing skid where they lost three in a row to the rest of the AFC North, and you know there were moments they were close in some of those games. They would give up. A dumb giveaways, you know, fumbles with nobody hitting you or interceptions into tight windows for no reason, and and they just couldn't figure it out. They've had guys injured. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is obviously priority number one, and as I mentioned, he's been on the injury report four times. He had a, uh, let's see, he had a left knee injury going into Thursday night football against uh, the Saints and ended up being the leading rusher in that game somehow, but he did. And then he had the uh, high ankle sprain, on Monday night football against Cincinnati left that game and almost, you know, you thought coming out of that game, boy, he's done for the year, but he comes out and plays the next week. Um, then he had a concussion protocol game where he actually played the next week against Tampa Bay. Didn't play that well. Uh, that's, that's one thing. And the uh, wide receivers have been banged up. So they've had Christian Kurtz been on the shelf for the last month with a core muscle injury that he had surgery on. He's actually in the practice field this week. Uh, Zay Jones with a knee and a hamstring injury. And then the offensive line is another story. They've had, a rotation at uh, the left side. Cam Robinson's been hurt with a knee injury. He was back last week at left tackle, and left guard has been a revolving door as well. So they, they haven't had a lot of push from the interior. So I think on offense, that's the main part of it. Uh, they've been good on defense against the run a lot of the early part of this season, and that kind of softened a little bit. They were taking the ball away at a high clip early, and that kind of went away um, in you know late November, early December. But they feel like it might be back now. So, all right, this is the time to have it back, just in time. How about the nature of this rivalry? I saw where the Jags are 1-8 and eight in their last nine trips to Tennessee. I imagine a lot of that is a function of where those two franchises were for a lot of that time, because last yeah. year the Jags went in there and, and hammered the Titans, right? Well, it was a, it was the first time in a long time yeah, um, last season, and that was kind of the start of the run for the Jags at the end. They, they finally kind of slayed the Dragon in Nashville, and uh, knocked Derrick Henry down and forced the ball out of him and, and got a fumble and a takeaway and and ended up winning the game. That was kind of, and that gave them a lot of momentum and, and positive energy. I think early in December to to move forward, which was a great thing. But you're right. Before that, I mean, there were so many changes and things around here 
that they just couldn't figure out how to win up there. And the Titans were really good. They had a really good offensive line and could run and, you know, veteran quarterback play here or there and defense they could play. And I mean, they just had, they were kind of running the show in this AFC South for a long time. So it feels like that has changed. There's some change on the horizon in Nashville. It could be Derrick Henry's last game in uh, Tennessee after eight seasons there. His contract's up. What's the story with Rabel moving ahead? The quarterback position. So you got to get them while they're down because everybody got the Jaguars while they were down. So uh, given is better than getting, let's say that. Lastly, what's your gut feel on this one? The Titans are a little banged up. We know there's not a lot of love lost in this rivalry for sure. Is this going to be a close game, do you think? What happens here? I think if the Jaguars play clean football, if they just run it and don't turn it over, they should win the game. And they should they With that formula, and they can compete with anybody in the league, Baltimore included, San Francisco. They just didn't in those games. So, um, in credit to those teams, they forced a lot of those issues. Uh, However, there have been moments where the Jaguars just hurt themselves with pre-snap penalties and and dumb things. So, if those go away, I think they handle this one pretty good. Now, the problem comes if, you know, all of a sudden early Tennessee gets a break or two, you know, a a takeaway and a short field touchdown or Derrick Henry for some reason gets loose and then they have a little momentum. It's like, uh uh-oh, okay, now they're in the game and the what we call the pucker factor begins to settle in for the Jaguars uh, after losing four and now winning last week. They don't want to finish the season like that. So um, just get it done early. And that's what happened when they played Tennessee early in the season. Uh, here in Jacksonville. They got up 13 nothing and a half. It was 27 nothing third quarter. It was lights out. There was no way to run Henry at that point. So that's the formula. Do it early. Get them out of the way and get them thinking about Cancun next week. One other question does spring to mind. Lawrence, even when he's healthy, has struggled, especially with turning the ball over. I, again, yeah. when we saw him here, I thought he was very good, like very efficient and good. But but just looking at the numbers and some of his games, I don't see him every week. It seems like it's been just a, a slog for him, a struggle. Why is that and why so many turnovers? Yeah, I think part of that is just he wants to, at, at moments, and especially in the heat of moments, it feels like he kind of needs to do everything himself. Like he needs to be the superhero and, and run for that extra five yards or scramble away from the pocket and try to figure out something. And, and instead of maybe throwing it into the stands to hit the popcorn vendor, he throws it into the arms of the defender, right? I mean, that's, that happens sometimes. Or, you know, not protecting the ball and when he's going, and when he's going to run because he, he does use those legs as a weapon in the running game sometimes. A lot of it's designed, some of it's not, but – when he's out in the open, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, he loses the ball. Well, that, that can't happen. So uh, just a little more um, focus on protecting it in the pocket with people around you because he's put it on the deck a lot, too. I and mean, that's that's got to stop. And he understands it, but he's got to go perform and do it as well. Now, with all these injuries, that might be part of it, too. I mean, he's had both legs hurt, his head, now his throwing shoulder. Uh, but at some point, you got to be able to play up above some of that and, and protect the ball and help your team get to the finish line. And, you know, he's done it before. He did it last season. He also threw four picks in the, in the playoff game mm. <laughs> before they rallied to do it. So maybe they just like do it the hard way, which is <laughs> not great for our blood pressure here. Percent chance he plays in your estimation, JP? 
Uh, just seeing him today, my gut is that it's probably better that he plays than not. Um, that's just me in 20 minutes and pre-practice warm-up. So I'd say probably 65-70 at this point, but uh, that's just me. I don't see the actual practices. Um, and if it's any chance at all of him hurting it further or, you know, risking, you know, that that kind of stuff, then they just sit him and, and trust Beathard to, to manage the game for them. I appreciate you taking the time today, JP. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk another time. Hey, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to apologize for the terrible towel thing, but uh, you know how that goes. <laughs> Wait a, a second. Wait a second. I forgot about this. The terrible <laughs> towel thing. Tell us Tell yeah. us uh, what exactly happened there. What's the aftermath? Because a lot of people, how could I not ask this? A lot of people feel like the Jags are now. <laughs> You're going to lead with that. Yeah. They're <laughs> under the curse of the terrible towel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. But, hey, I thought it was, a, from a Jaguars perspective, it's a fantastic moment. You go steal the towels. You steal the win in Pittsburgh. and and uh, tell them about it. And, um, you know, we'll see how it moves down the stretch here. But uh, Andrew Wingard, man, he's, he's the guy that kind of led the rally last season. You know, he, he coined the, the term, it, it was always the Jags, and they rallied around that. And he's kind of that, that heart of uh, the defense and really the team as a whole when it comes to that kind of thing. So um, I know they, they kind of took it a little hard there in Pittsburgh. But that was <laughs> the last week of the season. I appreciate it, man. Take care. Hey, have a great day. Appreciate it. <laughs> there he goes. Um. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What do you make of that, Sean? Don't call me Seth Myers. I actually think there might be something to it. The terrible towel. Look at what's happened to people who have desecrated the terrible towel, right? JP wasn't buying it, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens uh, potentially this weekend. I think the Jags are going to lose, by the way. Do you? I think the Titans win. You this think game. they're going to get steamrolled? Yeah, right? I do. I think the Titans put it together for one week, and it's not like the Titans are totally hopeless. And I realize they have some injuries, but it's not easy to go into Miami and win a game. And they just did that two weeks before Christmas. So it's not like they ain't the Panthers we're talking about here. No, they're a competent team, and I think most people agree. Frabel's a pretty good coach, and even if this is the end for him, I think he's obviously a proud guy. He once said he would sacrifice his Frank and beans to win a Super Bowl. Remember that one? Yeah, I guess he's never uh, been in that scenario yet as a coach, though, right? He hasn't. <laughs> well, that would not had be a choice. good scenario to be in. But you're right. There, he's not a run for the bus guy. They're not a run for the bus team. They hate the Jags. And listen. This guy sounded optimistic, but even an optimistic report or opinion on Lawrence pegs it at 65%. So if he plays, he might be hurt, which would be a very bad thing because it's his throwing shoulder, and I believe one of the fingers on his throwing hand. And if he doesn't play, C.J. Beathard automatically just makes this a complete toss-up at best for them, doesn't it? And we mentioned even when he was 100% healthy, Lawrence wasn't great this year. He had some struggles. So you figure if he's anything less than 100%, how good is that quarterback play really going to be? 
So I had somebody named Will McBride tweet me a picture of St. Mary's Lyceum or Lyceum. Which one is it? Lyceum? I don't know. In Lawrenceville. What a place. I love these kinds of gyms. Look at this. Look at this photo. This thing is right out of like 1940. It's right out of Hoosiers, for God's sakes. Did you play in any of those gyms around Western Pennsylvania? The, these I, regretfully, I did not. Classic, no. legendary, old school gyms. Did you play hoops? So I did not. I actually hated basketball until mm. I was like 15 years old. And then by that point, it was kind of a lost cause because I wasn't that good. I played in a couple of YMCA leagues. So that's, unless you count YMCA gyms, no, I haven't. I remember we played Kenmore East in a playoff game. And I still remember a layup I missed. And I was on the, uh, I was on the make one mistake and you're out of the game plan. Still carry a heavy resentment against my coach for that. It's hard to play like that. It's hard to play sports like that. You can't if you if you're not playing free. So I went. They they had a kid named uh, Gary. No, Gary Bossert was sweet home. They had a big kid in the middle who went on and played in college. Anyway, I remember going right down the lane. A shot I could make a million times in my sleep. A little underhand scoop, the Iceman George Gervin scoop, because it was this type of. Um, gym where everybody was watching from up top and it was loud and raucous. I could make that shot in my sleep, Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers. And it went off the back rim, the back rim, and came out. And then that was it for me. One shot out. Hate that. Don't you? That's tough. Maybe if it was an air ball. But, yeah, if you if you draw iron, you should get second opportunity, I think. At least. But I used to love these classic old school gyms. There Have was you one. been at a palestra? No. I heard that's that's the cream of the crop when it comes to old school basketball gyms. I guess it's why my favorite arena is Madison Square Garden. You know, I, I like the, the the old classic venues with some character. Everything that's been built since 2000 and even a little before that, with few exceptions. One of the exceptions being PNC Park, which is a masterpiece. Uh, they all look the same. Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. Sort of, don't they? Yeah, although I think they really all looked the same back in like the 70s, right? Wasn't that where they... That was the concrete cookie cutter yeah, stadium. Yeah, it was area. what, Philadelphia, yeah. Pittsburgh, and yeah. Cincinnati were all like identical. There was a place called Maryvale High School in Buffalo where the wall, the padded wall was six inches from the baseline. So you want to go dive in for a loose ball, you're taking your life in your hands. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, is it... Minnesota Golden Gophers have that elevated court where <laughs> you could like drop off like yeah, just drop off the face feet. of the yeah. earth. Right. Doesn't seem like it's worth going after a loose ball in that scenario. There's a ton of these old gyms around Pittsburgh, a ton of them, especially playing in, in uh, the diocese, Catholic diocese. You, you would find many, many of them. St. Elizabeth's was another one where everybody's watching from up top. I love basketball. I love gyms. I love loud gyms, and I love winning. Don't you? Sure do. I, there's, I do some games. Um, I mentioned I'm doing Greensburg Central Catholic Boys tonight. They're home games. It is. You can barely hear yourself, and then they got someone banging a drum. Not allowed to do it while the game is going on, but you can do it between quarters, pregame, all that. Yeah. It is deafening where I can't even hear the, the guy I'm broadcasting with at times. Man, I just love that feeling. Pat Conroy wrote about it. He wrote about his basketball career at the Citadel. I forget the name of the book, but spectacular writer. And he he spent a whole portion of that talking about what an event it is in a little town 
you know, where everybody gathers at the gym for a, for a big basketball game, you know? And as soon as you walk in, you just feel a, a palpable buzz and electricity in the place. And man, then you just watch it unfold. It's great stuff. I love basketball. It's and my w- favorite sport to broadcast. Is it? Do you get, you're obviously right down at the scorer's table every time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love, usually it's very fast paced games. Even if there are a lot of fouls, you're still out of there in under two hours typically. What's the most raucous gym you've ever broadcast in? We're talking basketball only here. Yeah. I honestly, off the top of my head recently, it's been Greensburg Central Catholic, which yeah. is small, but I, I'll have to think. Well, I also, in that scenario, and set up right next to the student section. So yeah. that makes it a little bit louder. Uh, I'm sure that there's something that's top that I'm going to have to mull that over momentarily. But some of like the 5A and 6A, the gyms are so big, even if there's a good turnout, it just doesn't feel as intimate. It's not as loud right. because there's so much more space there. Man, I remember a couple places when I was covering high school sports. I did a game in Leechburg where I was sitting Leechburg in the great, stands. Yeah. There was nowhere for the, the, the table, so we were in the stands with fans left, right, right in front of us, right behind us. Yeah. I mean, I was writing for the Valley News Dispatch, so that was my area. And I remember a couple of places. Blackhawk was one with John Miller where you were just walking into this, like, this buzzsaw, this, this, I don't know how to describe the atmosphere there. It was just you, you felt electrified the minute you walked in the gym combined with the way his teams played defense. That was just flat out fun to cover games at Blackhawk. Not so much afterwards, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers, because I couldn't get a phone line that night. In the old days of the little computers that you had to hook into an old school phone. So I remember going up to some little motel around Blackhawk, knocking on a door and begging this guy, can I use your phone line to send my story? I'm on deadline. I'm of no harm to you. Yes, I'm a very strange-looking man randomly knocking on your door here. I need a phone line. And he was kind enough to give it to me. If you knew Ron then, you probably could have stopped at, uh, at his house maybe, right? Well, then I definitely would have been rejected, right? Well, Ron's out in the North Hills, and that was another place that I enjoyed was Butler when – who was the coach out there? Jula. Mark Jula. I was right? going to say they have Matt he, Clement now. Was he N.A. and Butler back then? Not simultaneously. No, that would have been tough. Man, he was a character, huh? High intensity would be would be not sufficient to describe his demeanor. All right, Sean. We have a big football weekend. Let's talk about it. Coming up next, let's make our predictions. Ron and I made our official predictions, but I want to break this down. I want to do some over-unders for the Steeler game and register officially here. Why don't we do that next? Listen to Cook and Joe every Wednesday to hear about Starkey's Card of the Week from the Baseball Card Castle in Cranberry. Contests run every Wednesday through Friday at noon at the 937thefan.com contesting page. It's 127. Time to stop blindly paying those increasing auto and home insurance premiums. Contact the Buell Insurance Agency in Gibsonia and see what they can do for you. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. And, of course, you can follow along on the text line. Brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. All right.
going into the weekend. NFL, FanDuel. Regular season wrapping up with a wild weekend, and you can be part of that. Time to get in on the action. Plenty of time here with FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge. America's number one sports book right now. New customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Let's take a look at some of these games here. You mentioned Cincy Cleveland. Uh, how do you predict a game like that? I'll tell you how. You hone in on a guy like Jake Browning and you say, the Browns aren't going to play their normal defense here. They might not even play half their players. Go Jake Browning. Over. Things like that. You got live same-game parlays, fine bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. Visit FanDuel.com slash Starkey and make your first bet a layup. 21-plus, present in Pennsylvania. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 